Welcome to Swimming Pod, the swimming podcast for people who love to swim. I'm Stanley Uliasik, and it's my pleasure today to interview four of the people who started a project that's taken the imagination of people up and down the River Thames here in England. Swim the Thames. This project involves swimming the length of the non-tidal River Thames from the source, 250 kilometres due west of London, to Teddington, which is just before central London. I'm in conversation with Sefran Penrose, Jeremy Wellingham, Chris Dalton and Sharon Curtis. We'll start with Jeremy. Can you say something about Swim the Thames, when it started, or what it involved? It sort of started at the Christmas before, when Seth and myself and Claire met for a swim at Godstow in uh, December 2010, between two snowfalls, and we walked up to the A34 bridge from Trout Car Park in wetsuits, swam down, not very far, and uh, we were immensely proud of ourselves for that very modest country. We decided then that we should swim once a month, and uh, that was the, the catalyst for starting Swim the Thames, because Having decided to swim once a month, we then had the issue of where we were going to swim. Had a few swims, and then uh, we decided if we start at the beginning, where we swam would answer itself. It would be where we stopped the previous time, and, and that's really how it, how it started. Sephirin, you've just come into the conversation. Thanks for being here. You've caught some of what Jeremy said. What's your version of things? If I might just bring in the people of old, we had had a little group around Oxford and the Thames led by a guy called... Tim and another guy called James used to introduce a few, take us on a few swims. And they both were really busy. And I accidentally ended up being the one to try and keep swims going. And we started doing, just trying to get one every month. And then one very wintry day, just me, Jeremy and Claire. And um, Jeremy said we should swim the Thames. And so we did. So Chris, how did you get into it? I don't actually remember. I was um I was involved in the OSS Oxford group as it was then now OSS Thames of course and I'd met Seth at a swim up in um Cambridgeshire somewhere on the Neen and I think that's how I got roped into the whole thing. Sharon, you came in, I think, around Swim 6. Um, can you tell us about that? You you kind of invented a new category for the swims, which was like the catch-up swim. That's right. Well, I, I had uh, initially found the group in conjunction with the big jump, which is a, a jump that sort of happens every year around the beginning of July. And they mentioned this swim that was happening from Buscot to Grafton the following week. And then when the Bournemouth peer-to-peer swim was cancelled due to five-foot waves off the coast, I thought, well, uh, I could do that swim instead. So I took the plunge. And yes, I had quite a lot of catching up to do, both the initial walks for the initial bits of the Thames, which are too shallow to actually swim, and then swims one to five, which I did in between doing some of the other swims. How long did it take? Now, Jeremy, I, I believe you, you kept the register most of the time and saw who had done what, years, months. Can you tell us a little bit more? In summary, it's two and a half years. We, we started on Good Friday in 2011, which was end of April that year, and we finished on the 22nd of September 2013, two and a half years later. 
which was one walk and you know, 56 swims, doing in the winter, one a month, and during the summer, two a month, except for when we had camps where we might squeeze in two swims in a weekend. Did you all know each other before or swim the Thames? You, Sharon? I didn't know any of the folks involved. However, I did have a work colleague who did know of the Oxford group, and she assured me that they were all really nice people. A bit bonkers, but really, really nice people. So I had a recommendation. Chris? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd only met Seth before, and she introduced me to the OSS Oxford Stroke Thames group. And I think I'd done maybe a swim or two before we started, but that was pretty much it. It was it was the start of the uh, whole adventure for me, really. And Seth, did you know people? I think because I'd kind of accidentally inherited this position, basically because it kept me swimming, um, I kind of clung on to people that came regularly, like Jeremy, and then, then gradually it kind of snowballed. But I think when we started the actual swim, there were only really three of us that had met more than once, and then um, a number of people. And, and we had another great swimmer who's since moved to Ireland, Joe, who was just one of those people that can crash you all into immediate conviviality by saying outrageous things. So I think even on the first swim we did, we were already laughing heartily and felt like we'd known each other for years even though we had Chris you were heartily convivial that's that's a huge compliment how did the swims change across across the seasons and across the years how did they unfold from your perspective well I think that the nature of the river changes substantially as you move from the source towards the sea. And I think that our swims kind of changed with it. At the beginning, it was all about the beautiful countryside and floating and bobbing and, you know, just zooming round corners. And then as I think we started to realise the magnitude of the task ahead of us, and as the river became bigger and more busy, I think we started doing more swimming and less floating and bobbing, and we were more focused on on actually achieving the goal. Sharon, would you agree with that? Um, I would say so, yes. There was, there was a lot of things that changed over the course of the, the years. I think one thing that I remember was the appearance of tow floats. In the first year that we swam, Susan was the only person to have a tow float and she swam along very fast with this marvellous little yellow bag behind her that contained all her stuff for the swim. And we thought this was wonderful. And as soon as um, Chill Swim, as it was then, started making these bright orange tow floats, lots of us all got these tow floats and instantly we were much more visible in the river which was hugely useful because there are boats and things and they do sneak up on you if you're not careful from behind. Seth, what was your experience of, of changing characters of the swims? It was really uneven and, and different from one stretch to the other. And we used to really enjoy bits called reedy narrows, <laughs> where there, there were a lot of reeds and the water therefore had to kind of rush quite quickly through them. But but we a lot of this swimming was head up and really chatty. And then, as he said, after a while, it got it had to get a bit more serious if we were going to get eight kilometres under our swim belts. And then I think another thing I'd say is that at one point I said to my partner at the time, I don't think anyone's getting, getting any fitter. We're all still slightly podgy around the waist or whatever. And then I looked at these photos of us at the beginning and at the end and the, just the physical difference to all of us was immense and we just all looked so much healthier than these kind of you know whatever whatever 
um, our body sizes and shapes were. We just looked like better people. It was quite, it was quite stark. And um, another thing I'd say was, yeah, then at some point, everybody just started taking it too seriously. I remember Jeremy getting cross with me saying I was cheating because I'd had a couple of crawl left. All of a sudden, from being someone that was, you know, kind of in mid-table obscurity, I found myself lagging behind. And, and one of our party, who was notoriously slow, had overtaken me. And, and then just this kind of the difference as people got better and better at swimming, which is really exciting because before that, I think I just thought either you're a good swimmer or you're not. So to actually get to that point where you realised that your swimming was really developing and could be developed was, was pretty special. Actually. Chris and Sharon both wanting eagerly to say something. Chris came in first. So let so Chris first and then Sharon. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Seth. One of the things that occurred to me when I was thinking about this chat was that not long before we started, I'd done a swimathon, which is a 5K swim in a pool for charity. And I did lots and lots and lots of training for that to get myself up to 5K. But once we were into the Thames swim, a 5K swim was something you'd do with a mild hangover on a Sunday morning, didn't require any sort of training whatsoever. And I certainly sure that my swimming vastly improved at that time um, and annoyingly has now far lesser standard. No I was going to say that one of the things that did change a bit is that we got slightly better comebacks to the comments we kept getting from other river users. The standard comment that we would get would be isn't it cold? And I remember um, Jeremy had an excellent comeback to this. It was in April of 2013 and the, the, the water temperature was nine degrees. And yes, it was pretty cold. But when we got this comment from a, a passing boat, where once they said, isn't it cold? Jeremy said, not as cold as last month. Now, I'm going to ask each of you if you can remember a, a particularly memorable swim and, and what made it memorable. So we'll start with Seth. Sure. But can I just go back to the last question again? Because there was another thing I wanted to say about seasonality. Basically, I think for me, the great marker of the changing of the season was actually Sharon joining us because Sharon, quite sensibly, didn't swim through the winter because she didn't wear a wetsuit. So it was, and I, I love it now, people that just swim the season. So, and, you know, it was a long season for Sharon. I think it would start in March or so and continue through to early November. So it wasn't, you know, we're not talking May to September, but it was Sharon's here. No wetsuits, and from now on, it's going to be glorious. And, and it was the end of those with the kind of swims that were just fairly nasty, to be honest, and took a lot of warming up afterwards. But um, other people will disagree, including the Polish guy who thought it was all too hot for him when it was four degrees one time. Yeah, so Sharon is the marker of seasonality, really, was a real kind of the summer, the summer season. But as my favourite swims, God, there were so many. I think I really, really did love those early ones, you know, sometimes swimming, sometimes wading, chatting. But I think for me, the, often it was the apres swim that I really loved. So a few of our swims turned into camps. So we'd swim a weekend. So we'd have one swim on one day and swim the next day and we'd camp somewhere. And they were always so much fun and usually involved the midnight swim, often with little or no clothing. And that, I think, yeah, for me, night with barbecues and frivolity. And more conviviality. Sharon? I think, like Seth, there are so many memorable swims, but I do have one swim that really, I do have one swim that really sticks out in my memory. 
And that's the very first one I ever did with the group. It was uh, 5.4 kilometres long from Buzzcott to Grafton. And it was done in July 2011. And the day was hot, not cloudless, but um, hot. And uh, this this was memorable for, for two reasons, this swim. Uh, firstly, partway through the, the swim, we had an absolute downpour. Like the rain was as heavy as it ever gets in this country. Absolute stair rods. But it was just magical. Because, of course, in the river, you don't care that it's raining at all. But the raindrops coming into the river, it looked like all around us, it was little synchronised dancing fairies as the raindrops hit the river and bounced up. And you have these little silver fairies all around you. It was just amazing. Meanwhile, our bank support was diving for cover in a nearby pillbox. Um, but the, this, this just vision, and I think this was even um, captured by one of the swimmers, um, Andrew, <clears throat> on his camera. But um, that that was just it, that, that was just amazing. That that's probably the best visual that um, I've had on a swim. Um, so that was one thing about that swim. And then there's one other thing that particularly. Um, makes me remember that swim because it was the first swim I'd done with this group and I should say that I'm a very fat lady I'm quite a large size I'm uh I'm very used to if I do any kind of like exercise in a group everybody whizzes off into the distance and leaves me behind because it takes me more effort to do things so uh I was kind of expecting that to happen and indeed we got into the weird pool people whiz off into the distance but then I noticed around the corner, Paul is waiting for me. And this group, this group, of, this wonderful group of people, they really take care of everybody. So nobody gets left behind. And I finished the swim in the company of Paul and Neil. I wasn't even the last, which surprised me. And um, just the sort of the, uh, this is something I've, I've seen throughout the swims, but everybody taking care of each other, making sure we haven't lost anybody, making sure everybody's okay. That was just something really special. And I hadn't really experienced that in an exercise uh, setting before. So that was that was just really lovely. Jeremy, what was your favourite swim? Yeah, I think I think I make a distinction between favourite and memorable. And um, I, I agree with uh, Seth on the, on the favourite ones and the, the camps and things. But in terms of memorable for me, it's the thing that drove the logistics. And uh, the one that sticks in my mind is Swim 7 from Grafton to Radcut. It was a nice July, the, the swim after Sh the one Sharon has just been talking about. And up until then, we'd had a little group of people come along. We'd have 8, 10, maybe 12 people come, something like that. And we knew we were beginning to know each other. And this was a particularly nice July day. We get there and there's 33 people turned up. And uh, it frightened the living daylights out of me. What, what were we going to do with all these people? And um, that, that really sticks in my mind. And uh, there, there was a bit of a to do with the um, slightly hospitably challenged landlord at the, uh, or then landlord at the Radcut, who got upset about the number of cars in the car park, despite the fact that that was a big lunch ticket for him. And that's what sticks in my mind. And, and the logistics consumed a large part of my uh, part of my time. And, and that was um that exercised it. And actually, can I just say that in swimming terms, 33 is about 100. It just felt like we were in charge of 100 people. I mean, it, 
I'm, I'm really surprised that it was only 33. It really seemed like so many more. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they just they just all came there, and then they're all looking at us for direction on what to do. <laughs> we never swam here either. <laughs> there was a bit of flying by wire, wasn't there? Chris, what's your memorable swim? Well, I, uh, again... I completely agree with the others on the swim camp weekends. They were always my favourite. Um, I particularly fond memories of the special campsite that Jeremy found in the grounds of some wonderful old buildings that nobody else got to camp at, and that was fantastic. And um, a previous swim camp where several members of the crew got caught short doing skinny dipping after dark when the area turned out to be not quite as private as we originally thought it was. But in terms of memorable swims, my one that sticks always sticks in my mind was Swim 42, which I think was uh, February 2013. And it was a very short swim. It was only 900 metres or so from Bourne End down towards Cookham. And I recall that the water temperature was about four degrees. When we got there, it was really cold. It was like crisp, frosty morning. But by the time we'd done our usual sort of faffing around, we got up to the start of the swim and we'd swum down. The swim only took minutes because it was quite a good flow. We got back to the little car park and suddenly it was this glorious, glorious winter day. And there was an ice cream van in the car park. So after getting out of this four degree water, freezing cold, changing into our normal clothes, we all stood around eating ice creams. Can I ask each of you again, what made Swim the Thames a very special project, starting with Sharon? I think this most special thing was the group of people and the very, very good company that they all provided. But I also think that the the river itself was just wonderful, seeing all of it in all its various different guises and its different seasons, when it was busy, when it was quiet. Everything. Uh, Jeremy? It was definitely logistics for me on the organisation. I've got a lot of lot of um, experience of that starting from absolute zero. And the sort of realisation that um, social media, Facebook, can be a force for the better when used like that. And, an, um, and the way it managed to um, garner whole crowds of people along the way. Not all at one time, but um, we met a lot of people along the way. So some, some stayed with us and then came back and started at the beginning. Others were just transient as we went through. But uh, looking at my spreadsheet earlier, I, th- I think we had 173 different people attend one swim or more. And it was it was about that, just gathering people that you never normally meet, uh, getting them together, pub lunches afterwards, meeting with them, just gently marshalling people in the direction with Chris's uh, able, able assistant. Marshalling independently-minded open-water swimmers. It's a bit like herding cats, really. Or herding fish. Uh, what made Swim the Thames special for you? Well, other than Jeremy, without his amazing logistics, it just wouldn't have happened. And for anybody listening who's wondering how we know or which swim was which number, it's because we actually have them tattooed on our arms. It was a revelation. There was this river, and Jeremy said, let's swim the Thames. And I said, all right. And I think the most we hoped we'd get out of it was finding a few new spots to swim. But then the whole thing unfolds, and and you kind of realise you can swim the whole river. You just have to work out where to get in and where to get out and how long it might take and where's the nearest pub to the end. So that, I think, you know, there's this phrase weekend warriors about people that put lycra on and go on long rides. But I think we were more like weekend wanderers. It was a real sort of freeing thing. And, you know, Sharon's saying it was nice that no that nobody got left behind. But it, was, it wasn't even, you know, there were so many slow people, so many less slow people, so many really fast people. And it just kind of magically 
became in groups so that nobody did get left behind, not because anyone was being particularly kind, but because there were three people at the back happy to chat and swim with each other or at the front happy to do it all in half the time and get on their way. So I think that kind of the lack of organisation, and we always said we haven't this swim that we haven't organised will start at X o'clock and end at X o'clock and you're all responsible for yourself. But that kind of lack of organisation is really freeing, especially, you know, a lot of swim events now are kind of fairly regimented. And then I go back to the people. I just, you know, the, the hilarity of it, of being naked in the middle of winter on the side of the bank and not being able to do your bra up because your hands are so cold. It doesn't sound that funny, but it really is. And we used to call them outdoor changing rooms. Um, walking through Oxford with Adam in a pink hat and a wetsuit and everybody looking at us. Um, it was just so much fun, so much fun, so much laughing and really good people and, you know, really diverse people. So the people, the river. And Chris, uh, what made Swim the Thames special for you? Well, I think the others have all covered the sort of <clears throat> social aspect of it and the making of friends and having fun and the, 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 the whole joy of the the challenge. But to me, partly it was the challenge itself. You know, it's uh, 250 kilometers is quite a long way to swim and not very many people have done it before. And uh, to me, that was a, a, an important part of it as well. From my point of view, I think we were not very good at recording things. And I think if I'd have gone back and done it again, and I still think to myself, I will do that someday. And I'll go back and take better photos of where we got in and take better photos of where we got out and record things more. I mean, we were very good at recording the basic details, but the sort of the, the bits that go around that, that would make it easier for other people to follow in our footsteps. I think we probably didn't consider so much at the time and I'd like to go back someday if I you know ever get a chance and and detail it a little bit more we've got plots for where to park and where to get in but one of the things I found when I've gone back to do some of the early swims is that even with the GPS plots I couldn't quite remember what path to follow to get there and where we actually got in and where we got out and I'd have li I'd like to have just taken the documentation to another level that's that's you know I that's I'm a bit obsessive about that sort of thing I like I like wearing a GPS under my hat when I'm swimming so I know where I've gone <clears throat> and I feel that uh, you know I feel that I dropped the ball a little bit there but there is that wonderful website so you want to swim the Thames which kind of outlines the different swims and getting in and getting out and that's just a huge sort of huge logistical issue that Jeremy and everybody else mapped out and, and that is that is now definitely recorded. Seth, what would you do differently, if anything? That's really interesting to hear what Chris said just then. And just hats off to Chris, who kept his hat on with the Garmin underneath it, because at, at that time, I'm sure it's different now, but if you went underwater or, or you know, the motions that crawl from your arm will do, the Garmin kept on losing itself. So Chris derived this way of keeping it on its on his head <laughs> so that we wouldn't lose the, the GPS signal. And I think that it's, that it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And I look at, back at that blog every now and then and think, good grief, it, it is amazing that we mapped it all. But I kind of agree. I'd always intended to make more of the blog and then, you know, life gets in the way. But in a way, it's a kind of art project, isn't it? And, and we did it. And there it is for anyone else who wants to do it. I still have a few catch-ups to do, to be honest. What would I do differently? I don't know. I don't think I'd do anything. I think it, it just had a life of its own. It was, you know, it became 
such a thing. There were there were different core groups at different times, and and the freedom that that gave to different people, I think, is a nice thing about it. So I'm not sure I would do anything differently, really. Sharon, would you do anything differently if you were to do it again? I don't think I would, really. I, th- I think it was a, a wonderful project to do as it stood. And I enjoyed so much of it. If we were doing it again, you know, our bodies are slightly different now. It's it's uh, nearly a decade on from, from then. And so things would always be a bit different. But I, I, I think we had a very good way of doing the swim. Um, and I think it's a, a wonderful achievement that we've, we've managed um, both both collectively and individually. I mean, it's a heck of a challenge that long a distance. Jeremy, what, what would you do differently, if anything? The thing I possibly add is um, maybe a kayak or two, if we've got like-minded people for to supplement the bank support, because, uh, again, that can carry a lot more than a tow float and also more than someone walking along the bank without too much effort and uh, increases the visibility in where it's busy. So, yeah, kayak be my uh, addition. Thank you so much for your time and enthusiasm. I think we have a happy band of weekend wanderers who care about each other, who see equality in the water. Thank you all now for your time and enthusiasm. Jeremy Wellingham, Chris Dalton, Sharon Curtis and Stephen Penthos. Thank you. Swimming Pod is a personal production of Stanley Biagi. Opinions and ideas are solely those of the guest and the presenter. The music, Noe Noe from Castro, and Vienna Beat from Radio Pink, both by Blue Dot Sessions.